am so excited to be here with you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Ashton Haro. You might know me as Ashton Huppert. The last time I was up here, I wasn't married yet, and you might know my husband, Sam, in the back. Pretty nice. I know, right? So I work over at Journey's Highlands Ranch location. I do kids' ministry over there. But before I did that, I actually worked on the student team, and so anytime I get asked to speak at Midweek or Vibe, I'm so honored. You guys have such a special place in my heart. I believe the Lord is working here in your lives. I believe the Lord is here on Wednesday nights, and so I am so excited to be here. Before we jump in, I want to take a second just to acknowledge your middle school team because I get the honor to work pretty closely with him. Nathan, Dalton, Nicole... Leah, you guys, they work so hard to put this on every week, praying for you, doing other events Friday nights. They are amazing. They care about you so much, and I hope you know that. So if it's okay with you, I'll pray, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be on this stage, to be with these middle schoolers. I thank you for how you're working in their life, Lord. And I pray as we prepare our hearts for this message that you just open our hearts, Lord, that your Holy Spirit fill this room, that um, those most students probably have heard this message before, Lord. Give them ears to listen. Show them something new that they haven't taken out of this before, Lord. We give this night to you in your name. Amen. So we're continuing in this Crash Course series. Last week, Nathan spoke on the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think it's such a perfect message leading up to what I have prepared for you tonight. And tonight, we're talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And if you don't know what that means, the crucifixion is when Jesus died on the cross And the resurrection is when he rose again three days later. And like I said, you probably have heard this story before. I'm sure whether you grew up in church or you didn't, uh, if you went to an Easter service, you probably know a little bit about Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. But the truth is, is that usually this will bring about a lot of emotions. As I have been preparing all week, I have been like sitting in my room crying because it's such a powerful, emotional piece of scripture that that never goes away. It changes your life forever. And so the more that we evaluate it, the more that it's going to impact our hearts. And so if you know the story, stay plugged in tonight. Stay tuned in because the Lord has something for you, and I really do believe that. Right before Jesus dies, he describes it perfectly. Scripture says in John 16, 20, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And so in this space tonight, I want you to open your hearts. If you feel the grief of the death and the the darkness and the challenge of it, that's okay. And if you're on the other side and you feel the joy of the resurrection and you're excited and a lot of um, happy emotions, that's okay too. Wherever you find yourself tonight, Just know Jesus acknowledges it right before his death, and and so do I. And so I want us to look through the lens of a man named Peter. And if you don't know a little bit about Peter, he was one of Jesus' disciples. And I, I love that he comes along with Jesus all his life. He's there when Jesus dies, and he's also there when Jesus rises. And so... Uh, Luke 5, if you have your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screens with me. Luke 5, 8 says, 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So at this point in Scripture, Jesus was, was at a lake, and he's, he's talking to people, sharing the word of God, teaching them about who he is, and Peter is off on a boat fishing. Uh, that was what he did for work. That was his lifestyle. So every day he was out fishing. And Jesus appears to him on the boat, and they've caught nothing. And I'm going to read that again because this is what Jesus says. So, so they're fishing, and um, Peter all of a sudden pulls out so much fish in his net that he has to call other boats to come and help him get all the fish. And when he realizes he's in the boat with Jesus, this is what he says. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And this is what Jesus says back. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. I love this because it relates to my life so much. How often do I find myself in the presence of the Lord, and I just don't feel worthy? I've made a lot of mistakes. My response feels very similar to what Peter would say, Lord, I am sinful. I don't deserve to be in your presence. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter. I have a calling for your life. And so we fast forward a couple years through Jesus' ministry, and, and Peter's a disciple. So they do life together. Like, they minister to people. They watch people get baptized. Like, they do it all. They're, they're pretty good friends. And they're at the Last Supper where Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death. And he's trying to tell them, I'm going to die, and I need you guys to be prepared, which that would probably be a challenging conversation to have. He, he brings up communion, and at the end of it, he says, hey, Peter, uh, I just want to let you know you're going to disown me three times. The rooster will crow, and you'll know that you did it. And Peter's like, Jesus, there's no way. Like, I love you. I would die before I did that. There's no way that's going to happen. And so we read in Luke 22:56. this is what happens. Jesus is um, about, to, about to die. And um, a servant girl saw Peter seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About a, an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow is with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. In this moment, Peter realizes he's messed up. He realizes what Jesus, was, what Jesus said was right. And he can probably assume Jesus was right about his death on the cross too. So he knows this is just around the corner. And this is his response. And so before we get to the death and the resurrection, I think we have to stop. And we have to acknowledge our own sin, just like Peter. We need to acknowledge our sin in order to understand the power of the crucifixion. Some of you probably know a little bit about my story. But if you don't, um, I, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't grow up as a believer. 
When I was your age, I didn't know who God was. I probably knew the, the resurrection story a little bit, but I had no personal relationship with God. So when I say I'm encouraged by you students, I mean it. You're about 10 steps ahead of where I was when I was your age. But the truth is, is that we all fall short when it comes to the Lord. And so from about late high school to early college, I found myself making a lot of mistakes. I kept messing up. I was, I was out at parties, dating people my parents didn't want me to date. I was hurting friends and family. I was hurting God. Like, I was rebellious. I was not a nice person. I was not someone people wanted to be friends with. And I didn't believe that the Lord could ever love me through that. And as I continued to make mistakes, it felt like I started to wear a backpack of shame. And every mistake that I made, it felt like a huge rock on my back. Like, well, I did this today. Goes right on me. It became a part of my identity. And all of a sudden, I was so buried in my shame that I couldn't, I couldn't move. Like, my backpack was so heavy on my back that there's no way I could get up on stage and preach to you. I could barely do the things I wanted. I didn't have an identity outside of the shame that I was carrying on my back. And so I think it's important for us to take a second and stop and realize our sin, right? Realize our need for a Savior so that when we get to this point in the story, we can, we can understand the weight and the power of it. So let's keep reading. Luke 23. Um, verse 44 says this. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. I can't a moment, I can't imagine a moment like this right? Like the sky goes dark and Jesus, our Savior, is hanging on a cross for our sins. This is just a really small picture of what I imagine it to be like, but when I spend a lot of time thinking about it, I can't help but get emotional because Jesus died on the cross so that we could live freely. He put on our punishment so that I could walk freely out of these doors, so I could walk freely out of this place. If we're being honest, we deserve death, right? It's a hard, a hard pill to swallow. I deserve to die, but instead Jesus took my place because he loves us so much. Like, it, it's really hard to sum up in just the 30 minutes I have but I do think we learn a couple of things about God. I think we learn a lot about his character in this moment. And for me in my life, I learned that our God is so kind. That he would die on the cross so that I didn't have to walk around with my shame anymore. So that I could live freely despite the sin that I am carrying. This moment changes everything for us students, right? I get to take off my sin. I'm no longer identified by the mistakes. Now, it doesn't change the, the past. It doesn't change the people that I've hurt. It doesn't change the decisions I've made. But it's no longer my identity. This moment changes everything. 
for me in my life, so I, I accepted the Lord later about high school, and then in college I did a semester abroad in Australia, and this is where I really met the Lord personally. I had a mentor at the time, and I knew I needed to tell her a lot of my mistakes. I knew I needed to just get all, everything I've never told anyone off my chest, and so we're sitting in this classroom, and I just start just talking, and I'm just telling her everything I can think of, this person that I hurt, this thing that I did to my parents, all of the pain I've caused, all of the sin and the struggles that have happened in my life. And I finish, and I look, I, I remember it. I can picture it all in my head. I look to her, and I'm like, she's going to say she can't, she can't be my mentor anymore. She's not going to be my friend. She doesn't love me. And I look at her, and she looks me in the eyes, and this, she says, this doesn't change anything, Ashton. I still love you. That moment changed my life forever because that's what Jesus did for us. That's how he looks at you. He took the sins of the world so that you, he can look you in the eyes and say, hey, I have a plan for you. I love you so much. You don't have to carry this sin anymore. And, and I'm so tempted to end the message here because that's a lot to, to think about, to digest, to pray about. But the truth is the story wasn't finished, right? This is the grief. So the disciples are in this moment. You can imagine, like you can picture it in your head. Jesus is dead. And, and you're probably, if you were in this moment, thankful. Like the Lord has just died for you, but he's also dead. The world is dark. People are mourning. This is the grief that I talked about earlier. Thankfully, we know the story doesn't end here. There's hope on the other side. And so it continues in Luke 24, chapter, uh, verse 1. And it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering, wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. This moment changes everything for us because Jesus goes to his Father. He rises and gives us hope for an eternal relationship with him. The resurrection gives us access to an eternal relationship with God. As you do life every day, you know the Holy Spirit's at work in your hearts. This is the best news, right? And my favorite part of this story is that it has nothing to do with me. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Actually, quite opposite. It's because the Lord is so gracious that he did this for us. It's all about who God is, and it has nothing to do with anything we could do. And so maybe tonight, this is where you need to start. You need to start in relationship with God. You haven't taken that step, but you're ready tonight. If that's true, find, find me, find Nathan or Dalton or your small group leaders. We would love to help you take that next step. So you're probably wondering what happened to Peter. Well, I, I love this part, so let's continue reading. John 21, 1 through 7 says, 
Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I love this part, right? We remember the beginning. Peter, this is where they found Peter. He was fishing, he caught nothing, and Jesus appeared to him. And so in the midst of this shame, right, he disowns Jesus, and Peter comes back and meets him right back to where he was. Peter goes back to what feels comfortable, and maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe you're so burdened by your shame that you're running away from the calling the Lord has on your life. You're afraid, you know, you made a mistake and you're like, I bet God took that away. I bet God doesn't really mean that anymore. And this is what Jesus says when he shows up to Peter. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, he said. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. I love this story because the truth is we're still going to make mistakes. Even when I had the personal relationship with God, I still make mistakes. I still find myself in sin and the temptation is to run back to what feels comfortable. But Jesus very gently meets Peter back where he was, and he reminds him, Peter, I have a calling for your life. It says, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus says, hey, you were a fisherman in a past life. The calling that I gave you is still the same. You are still a fisher of men. And the same is true for your lives today. In the midst of sin, this story of the crucifixion and the resurrection means despite what we do, Jesus still gives us a calling. He still uses us to fulfill his mission and we have to live that way. And so I have a couple of things as we close, some takeaway points that have changed my life forever. And the first is that as a result of the crucifixion and the resurrection, we get to live forgiven and free. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive our sins. That's what he wants. Maybe during this next worship song, you just need to spend some time, you and the Lord, confessing where you've fallen short, confessing your mistakes. Maybe you need to get with your small group leader and share with someone like I needed to share with my mentor. I needed to speak out my sin and be met with love that Jesus has for you. And the second is this, uh, we have an identity. 
For so long, I carried my shame as my identity. I carried my sin, and I let it define me. The moment that I set this down at the feet of Jesus, I was able to realize God gives us an identity as a son or a daughter. I had to let go of my sin in order to walk into relationship with him. And the third, which might be my favorite part, is that we have the Holy Spirit with us because of what Jesus did on the cross. John 16, 7 says this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says it's better for me to go to the Father than to continue on earth because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And so if you're not spending time hearing from the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on what Jesus had for us. It says in Scripture, you'll do greater works than me because of the Holy Spirit. That's powerful, students. That should impact how you live every day. And so as we close, my encouragement to you is to take your next step. Whether you have heard this story hundreds of times, you could get up here on stage and tell everyone about it. There's always a next step that can be taken. Maybe this is your first time, and you need to spend some time really diving into the scriptures, reading about Jesus' life, reading more about his death and his resurrection, because there's four gospels that share a lot about it. Maybe you need to start with a relationship that came out of the resurrection, and you're ready to jump in. You're going to go find Nathan or myself or your small group leader and take that next step in relationship with him. Maybe it's time to put your backpack down and walk freely out of these doors because of who our God is. Whatever your next step is tonight, students, my hope, my prayer for you is that you take it, that you do it boldly and with courage. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for such a powerful story of who you are, Lord. This is foundational to our walk with you, foundational to what we believe about your character. And so I pray as these students walk out these doors, Lord, that they can walk out in boldness, walk out freely because of who you are and what you've done in their life, Lord. And and I pray that they have courage to continue, to seek after your Holy Spirit, to listen to his voice in the world, to be praying in relation with him, Lord. I pray whatever these students' next step is, that they have the courage and the boldness to walk out into it tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen.